This episode is brought to you by the all-new No-Fail Meetings course, where you'll discover how to turn meetings from a hated, necessary evil to enjoyable checkpoints on your way to your most ambitious milestones. Go to nofailmeetings.com to get the course at 20% off, plus get two free bonuses, meeting agenda templates, and a digital version of the No Fail Meetings book. Offer valid until May 14th, so go to nofailmeetings.com now to get your meetings on track. Hi, I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. (laughs) 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 I was just reading, like, your name, and then I'm like, no, that's not my name. I can't. Like, my brain can't do it. (laughs) Well, we have our blooper. Thank you. It's right right out of the top. But literally, what is your name? (laughs) Hi, I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And I'm Michael Hyatt. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about what non-negotiables are with regard to getting the double win, winning at work and succeeding at life, and why they're so important. But today, my dad and I are going to jump in and tell you what we have chosen to prioritize on that list of non-negotiables and what that's made possible for us. This is going to be fun because I'm not sure I know all of your non-negotiables. I know some of them. Uh, I'm pretty confident you don't know all of mine. So this will be the great reveal of the non-negotiables. You know, when we think about this idea of non-negotiables, I think it can be kind of abstract and people can struggle to figure out what their non-negotiables are because usually we think about either nothing in our life is non-negotiable. We don't really have good boundaries. We kind of let everybody negotiate everything for us, whether that's at work or at home or, or whatever, or in an effort to set good boundaries, we want to make everything a non-negotiable and everything kind of a, a hard and fast line. And the problem with that is there's just not enough time for everything to be a non-negotiable. I mean, really, when we're talking about helping people to get this double win, winning at work and succeeding at life in our book, um, we talk about non-negotiables needing to be in three areas in priority order, self-care, relational priorities, and professional results. And that the, the kind of magic of this idea is that there's not enough time for you to do everything that you want, but there is enough time for you to do the things that are truly the most important or non-negotiable as we think about it. And so hopefully in hearing what our non-negotiables are in those three categories, it's going to help you guys conceptualize this and start to really imagine what this might look like in your own life. Okay. I have a question before we start. And I want to ask yeah. you and you can, you know, I'll, I'll reveal mine too, but sure. do you think naturally you tend towards fewer non-negotiables or too many non-negotiables? In other words, do you struggle with having boundaries or do you tend to have too many boundaries? Mm, I think I would answer it this way. I'm not sure that I know exactly. I think I'm pretty good at boundaries, but I don't think I'm necessarily too rigid. I think that I'm not necessarily a high structure person, that I kind of like a little bit of flying by the seat of my pants. Um, and Joel and I, my husband, Joel and I both kind of struggle with this sometimes because we have kids that really like structure, especially our oldest kids. They really like a plan and they, you know, like kind of freak out a little bit when we deviate from the plan that we've told them. Like if we tell them the menu for the weekend and then I I flip things around, they're like, wait, we were supposed to have hamburgers tonight. You know, what are you doing? Um, and so I think that what I have learned to love about this idea of non-negotiables is that while I may not be given to this much structure naturally, 
but it helps me to make sure that the most important things in my life are accounted for and scheduled for, which is kind of the the next step once you've got these things in place. Yeah, I think for me, it's been a learned thing because I think naturally I do like structure, probably too much structure. Yeah. And so if you look at Strength Finders, adaptability is number 34 out of 34 for me. So yeah, that's it's true my, for me too. You know, I'm, I'm very weak on adaptability. But as it turns out, there's something about aging, parenting, business <laughs> failure, you know, just life that, that tends to make you more flexible, more adaptable. So I, I do think it's important that you have non-negotiables, that you have boundaries, but that you really have few of them. I think most people cannot maintain a lot of non-negotiables. If, if you try to do that, then your life ends up looking pretty legalistic and you end up in a lot of stress. Well, and you end up in a lot of conflicts in a relationship because you're like, oh, totally. I can't do that because that's a non-negotiable. You know, you really don't want to have to say that a lot. You really want to have that conversation with a few very important people and, you know, not be kind of beating people over the head with your non-negotiables all the time. But the but the opposite of this, and your mother, you know, struggles with this, frankly, as an Enneagram 9, she's so interested in pleasing everybody you know, and she's had to grow in this too, but she's so interested in pleasing everybody that it's easy for her to abandon her non-negotiables. I guess by definition, that wouldn't make them a non-negotiable, but she'll she'll abandon her boundaries in the service of other people. And I think right. she's had to learn over time to hold firm to those boundaries, and that's not easy. Okay, so before we get into the details of this, I just want to say one more thing that's important. As you're thinking about this for yourself, and really the whole point of us sharing this is so that you all are able to start to imagine what this looks like for you. When you're thinking about whether something should be a non-negotiable or not, you really want to think about, is this essential? Like I kind of can't go on without it for my top performance. So Think about how what's going to set you up to perform at your best at home and at work, in your marriage, in your parenting, spiritually, and certainly in your professional results. We'll get into all that. But think about that because, again, there's not enough time for everything, but what sets you up for optimal performance? And then the second part I want to say is this is going to be not a one and done. This is evolving. You need to revisit these lists from time to time because, for example, what might be on your non-negotiable self-care list is going to change as your kids' ages change. So when our youngest daughter we first brought home from the hospital, my list of non-negotiables in terms of self-care was very short for a season when she was tiny and not sleeping. You know, And then now it's much longer, it's, it's more robust. That's okay. That's just life. And so be kind to yourself and be flexible with this as you think about it. That's good. Okay, let's jump in. Category number one, self-care. What yeah. are your non-negotiables when it comes to self-care? Okay, drum roll. So, drum roll. Okay, so I have a few. The first one, and this is right out of the book. I believe it. It's the last chapter is all about it, is sleep. I am committed to getting eight hours of sleep at night. I go to bed at nine o'clock. I get up at five o'clock and that is a non-negotiable for me. And what that means is that I really plan around that. You know, I plan for that because uh, if I could do nothing else on the list that I'm going to share, this would be the absolute number one top thing because it sets me up for a productive day the next day. It helps me make good decisions, helps me be nice to people. (laughs) It's really, really, really important. Um, So that is the first thing on my list. That's my number one non-negotiable on self-care too is rest. The only difference is 8.45 
is my bedtime because I'm getting up at 4.45, mm-hmm. which leads me to my second non-negotiable, which is my morning ritual. And by the way, I want to say that by non-negotiable, I'm probably 90% in compliance. Yeah. You know, I there like are that. times when I'm going to sleep in or I'm not going to get to bed in, on time because we've got friends in from out of town or whatever. But uh, but 90% of the time, that's a non-negotiable, that, that uh, particular time schedule for getting to bed. And I find that managing what time I get to bed, if I do that one thing, yeah. everything else kind of takes care of itself. I'll do my morning ritual because I'll be able to get up in time. But the morning ritual is where I take care of a lot of this other self-care stuff. That's where I'm nurturing my spirit. That's where I'm nurturing my intellectual life. That's where I'm uh, nurturing my physical body in the form of exercise and all that. All that's happening in that block of time that I call my morning ritual. Yeah, that's really good. I didn't list mine in that exact way, um, but certainly that is part of it. I I kind of think of I, I listed exercise separately, so my morning ritual also would be a non-negotiable. In that time, I'm having coffee. Maybe that should have been the first one. <laughs> hey, wait a second, list. stop. That's absolutely non-negotiable. That's like that's a prerequisite. <laughs> like when I have to have you know some kind of blood test that requires that. You know, I have to fast beforehand. Oh, it's the worst. Like I like I keep getting different answers on this too, because some healthcare professionals will say black coffee's okay. And by the way, that's the that's the opinion I'm going with. And some will say, <laughs> well, you know, you 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 have to even fast from black coffee. And I think those people are the devil. So if you're one of those, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I'm not following yeah. your advice. You need another podcast. This is not this one. <laughs> Hey Megan, okay. can I can I pop in real quick and ask you a question? Yeah. This is on air. Hi everybody, it's Nick. Uh, you have children. I have children. And you're talking about a nine o'clock bedtime. Yeah. And my question is, is what is the expectation? If, you know, you got to have time with your husband. You got to have yep. time to yourself in the evening. Totally. Wh- what is the rest of this night look like? That okay. you've got time for nine o'clock to be in bed and asleep. I am so glad that you asked because my children will probably be in therapy for this someday. Actually, they'll be in therapy for, for plenty. So this is just put this on the list, kids. Um, but my our two-year-old daughter goes to bed at seven sharp. And our 10 and 12-year-old kids go to bed at eight o'clock. And our 17 and 20-year-old kids, they go to bed whenever they go to bed. We don't, right. you know, we don't worry about that. So I have intentionally set their bedtimes so that I have an hour before bedtime to do kind of my evening ritual, you know, whether that's take a bath or hang out with Joel and watch a show for a while or have some time to myself. You know, there are different things depending on kind of what's going on that I include in that. Um, But that's really important. And I think one of the reasons that we don't go to bed early enough is that as parents, anyway, we let our kids stay up too late. And then we're like, I got to have a minute to myself, you know, and so (laughs) that it ends up being nine to 10 or 930 to 1030. And so I really think you have to plan with this non-negotiable in mind. In other words, it's not a non-negotiable that my kids get to stay up later. It's a absolute non-negotiable that I'm going to bed at nine. And so what else needs to happen in order to make that possible? And everything else is going to kind of bend, you know, to that non-negotiable in our house. And I'm telling you, it's worth it. Okay, let's go to the second category. Great question, though, Nick. Oh, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. What? Yeah, more to go. I got a whole. Listen, this is granular. <laughs> I'm telling the people like the granular details of my life. Okay. All right. Y'all can skip forward Surprise if you don't want to know. Okay. So I have my morning ritual. I get the coffee. I, I do my daily devotional. I fill out my full focus planner. 
But after that, I also plan my food for the day. Okay, this is really important. And this is something that I've been doing uh, since last summer. And I'm doing this because I'm one of those people who forgets to eat. And I'm one of those people who can kind of be in the moment and let myself get too hungry and get hangry. And that's not good for anyone, especially my kids or people that work for me. So I really want to be intentional about fueling my body to perform well. And so I plan my food for 24 hours. It also removes decision fatigue because I don't have to make all those decisions all day long. Um, and so I love that self-care non-negotiable. And that's literally a non-negotiable as in like, I am not going to not do this. It is going to happen in my morning ritual. Then I exercise for 45 minutes, five days a week. I do three days of strength training and two days of cardio. I keep it short. I do it at home so I don't have to drive anywhere. It's really straightforward. And I also drink 64 ounces of water every day. So these are like really basic things, but this is the kind of stuff that I'm going to do even on a really busy day, um, like our uh, book launch day last week that we had in which we had a big live event and all that. This is all got to be stuff that I can do even on a crazy day. Because if it's this sort of idealistic thing that's only possible when the stars align, that's not helpful. You know, so when we think about these non-negotiables, think about it with that in mind. But they are necessary for my performance. Yeah. Somebody shared with me this idea several years ago, the minimum effective dose. Yeah. You know, what's the minimum I can do and still make progress rather than the maximum I could right. do? Right. So, exactly. So I discovered this uh, afresh a couple weeks ago. When I, you know, I picked up the guitar again recently and I wanted to take lessons and the guy that I'm learning from, he said, Hey, I want you to be practicing every day. And I thought, well, of course. Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, I got to carve out an hour a day to practice. And he said, I want you to practice 10 minutes a day. Mm. And I'm like, what? And he said, consistency is more important than the amount of time that you practice. And yep. he said, if you'll do it 10 minutes a day, and on some days you may feel like doing more than that, and that's fine. But a minimum of 10 minutes a day and I said, I don't want you to break the streak. Well, I love that concept because I think 10 minutes, yeah, I can do that even on the busiest of days. And that's what you want. Right. And so, you know, if you're in a different season of life than we're in, maybe you have a, a baby that's not sleeping through the night, or maybe you're taking care of your uh, elderly parents or, you know, whatever, you have an irregular schedule. Think about what would be the minimum effective dose for you that you could truly say, these are my non-negotiables. Maybe it's a 15 minute walk every day when you get home from work. Uh, maybe, you know, you're going to have a morning ritual that is only 10 minutes long because of the season of your life. That's totally fine. You know, there are so many things you could do. And I think sometimes we make the standard so high that we can never reach it. And that's not helpful. You can always build on something though. So start small if you need to. Well, psychologically, it's important to have a sense that you're winning. Yes. And that you're making progress. And if it's constantly, you know, start, stop, start, stop, I'm constantly failing. Um, I'm not consistent. That affects your self-image. It affects your ability to perform and it's just not psychologically healthy. So again, to get back to the minimum effective dose is an important idea. Okay, so let's talk about the second category of non-negotiables, which are relational priorities. So again, these are in hierarchical order. So you're going to take care of yourself first because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. But then we want to ask the question with, with regard to the people you love, what are the things that are non-negotiable for you? Okay, so I have two. And one is that I'm going to have a date night. And that kind of, we don't really have to plan for that so much anymore, you know, because it's just kind of happening because we're empty nesters and you don't almost have to get babysitters every night. Anymore. Yeah, exactly. Almost every night. 
you know, we're we're eating together anyway. But we try to make a a point to go out to eat and really spend focused time with each other at least once a week. And we've recently got in to playing Corkle, which has been <laughs> really fun too. That's been a great relationship tool. The second thing is that um, one of my non-negotiables is to rotate having lunch with my daughters one per week on a rotating basis. So, you know, I always have lunch with you every week because, you know, we're in business together. Mm -hmm. But uh, like this week, it's Madeline. So she's my fourth daughter. So we're having lunch together, I think, on Wednesday or Thursday. And, you know, I I really enjoy that. But I want to make them a priority. And so that's, that's how I do it. I love that. Okay. So I have three. You probably have the third one in common as well. So the first one is date night with Joel. So we do that on Tuesday night. We've got the babysitter set up. Um, we make it really easy so that, you know, even the restaurant and all that stuff is planned in advance. So we can, we don't have any excuses not to do it. It feels like the easy thing to do, the fun thing to do. We love spending time together. Um, so we're, we're really excited because we're now both vaccinated, which means we're going to be back in restaurants and we're so pumped about that instead of eating takeout or sitting in our car. So we're, we're excited to get going on some of that stuff soon. Um, so that's the first one, date night. The second one is that I want to sit down with my kids and Joel and have dinner five nights a week at the table. So what is not non-negotiable is what we're eating. So that could be, you know, pizza or Chick-fil-A on paper plates. It doesn't really matter. That's not the main idea. We, we are intentional about what we're eating most of the time. But it, you know, it's important to say that that's not the main point of it. The point is, I want to sit down, I want to look at my kids, I want to hear about their day, I want to hear what they're grateful for, what their best thing was. We call that the gratitude report. We go around every night. Uh, now we've got little Naomi sitting at the table with us, who's mostly throwing food at this stage. <laughs> so it's a little more chaotic than it used to be. But eventually, she'll learn how to fold into that as well. And she's learning from her older siblings by watching at this point. But that's really special. And there's so much great research on the benefits of sitting down and having dinner as a family. So that has been true for almost our whole marriage, um, which is now 12 plus years. And then the last one is that we go to church together as a family on Sunday. So um, again, we're excited to be able to do that in person now again. And uh, that's just something that we feel like is both relational and spiritual, but is, is a really important aspect of our family life together. Yeah, that third one is one for us too. I didn't think of it as a non-negotiable, but it it is sort of de facto. You know, yeah, we right. Yeah, we we love going to church on the weekends, and that's just part of who we are. Right. So it's kind of cool, just even as we've only gotten so far in this, is that this is not that complicated of a list. I mean, you you guys right. may be thinking like, wow, there's a lot of things I thought you were going to say that you didn't say, and that's because there's not time for everything. But there is enough time to do these things, and hopefully, as you're listening, you're like, okay, I can kind of see how that might work. You know, that doesn't sound so overwhelming after all. Okay, I just remembered that I almost forgot my fourth relational non-negotiable priority, which shows you that this is so ingrained in my life that I don't even think about it anymore. And that is that I'm done with work every day at 3 p.m. And if you've read When at Work and Succeed at Life, you know, I tell the whole story of how I ended up making this decision to be done every day back at the beginning at 3.30, but so that I can pick up my kids at school. In fact, right now it's 2.25 p.m. and I'll be headed out at 3 o'clock to get the kids from school. And that's just how I've oriented my work for so long. But it's not a professional result. It doesn't fall into that category because this is really a constraint, a relational priority, non-negotiable 
that ultimately dictates how I work, but it's driven by my commitment to my family. Um, so this would be something you could consider too is, you know, what are your start and or end time for your day? What are the constraints you're going to put on your work day? Okay, let's go to the third category, yeah. which is professional results. Because again, we're advocates of what we call the double win, winning at work and succeeding at life. And there's no true success in our definition unless you're doing both. Mm-hmm. So it's not enough just to to win the self-care game or to win the relational game, game as, as important as those are. We also got to win at work. Mm-hmm. And that sort of makes possible everything else. You know, they're all mm-hmm. interrelated. So Megan, what are your non-negotiable professional results? Yeah. So this is uh, really helpful, especially as you may feel overwhelmed when you're thinking about work, like there's too much to do. If you take your focus on what there is to do and move it to what results am I responsible to deliver, that can be really helpful because all of a sudden it starts sorting your tasks into at least two categories, the ones that are helping to drive the professional results that are non-negotiable for you and the ones that maybe aren't. And those all become candidates for, you know, uh, elimination, automation, and delegation, like dad, you talk about in your book, Free to Focus. So for me, the first thing is delivering our annual budget. As a CEO of the company, you know, I got to do, before anything else, I got to deliver the budget. And that's really mission critical to our long Longevity and success as a company, and certainly to honoring um, the people that are on our payroll that we are taking care of, and all the things that are part of our future vision. So that's that's the first one for me. Okay, so the first one for me is that I'm going to be spending 95 percent of my time in my desire zone, mm. and the desire zone is another concept that we talk about in free to focus, and it means that I'm working where I've got my greatest proficiency and my greatest passion. Mm -hmm. So I'm not working in any areas where I don't have passion and I'm not working in areas where I don't have proficiency. So 95% of the time, 5%, you know, that'll fluctuate from week to week. Some weeks I don't have any of my time outside of my desire zone. Occasionally I may have more than 5%, but most of the time it's 95% of the time in my desire zone. And what that means for me is that I'm doing work that's high leverage, that really moves the company forward, that makes the best use of my gifts and my capabilities and gives me the most satisfaction at work. So I'm always happy at work. I enjoy the work that I'm doing. I love that. And, you know, it's probably important to say um, that didn't happen all at once for you, that that was a, pro- no. a process, a multi, multi-year process of moving incrementally toward that. And, you know, now at your season of life is something that you get to enjoy. But if you're not there yet, don't be discouraged because you're you are always able to make progress toward that, you know, so. Yep. Just, just up it a little bit more each year until you get where you're doing most of the stuff yeah. in your desire zone. Did you have another professional result? I do. I have three. So my next okay. one is that uh, I am responsible to develop the executive team to make their greatest contribution. So they are my direct reports. And if I'm taking care of them and coaching them and developing them, then they're going to help to drive the company forward. So one of the results that I'm most focused on is developing their potential. Okay. I think the second one for me is the whole idea of growth. And that's one of our values as a company you know, continuous growth. And I see this in a lot of different categories, you know, certainly personal and professional growth. But more than that, I want the company to grow. And I don't want it to grow because I need to make more money or want to make more money. I want it to grow so that we create more opportunity for our employees 
And so we also continue to reach more and more people. So growth is growth is a non-negotiable. I can't imagine ever planning a year where we stayed level or went backwards. Yeah. Because to do that means that you kind of have to say to everybody on the team, hope you appreciate the status quo because nobody's getting a promotion this year. Nobody's getting a raise this year. We're just going to kind of tread water. That to me is unacceptable. Yeah, that's really good. I love how we really thought about these lists differently, um, but both are, I think, really good ways to think about it. So it's fun to hear yours. I don't think we've actually shared these with each other before. So We haven't. Okay, so my final one is to uh, set the vision for the future. You and I do that a lot collaboratively together, but then what is my responsibility pretty much exclusively is to align the team around our future vision and then to drive our execution of that vision. So uh, vision is a big part of the professional results that I'm responsible Mm -hmm. for. I've always got to be out in the future, looking ahead, charting a course to uh, help us see and realize our vision. And fortunately for you, as it is for me, futuristic is one of your top five strengths. So it kind of comes naturally too. Yeah, that's cool. So my last one is customer transformation or client transformation. You know, that's a non-negotiable for me. You know, just to sell stuff doesn't get me excited at all. Not, doesn't even move the needle. But when I see our coaching clients or our full focus planner clients report back to us, in fact, I've got a letter from one of our clients that I've got stuck next to me here on the desk. And she sent it to me and she just talked about all the transformations she'd experienced over the last three years. And I've got it here. I don't want to discard it because it's so meaningful to me. Because that's what I live for. I, I'm not happy until people get the transformation they want in their professional and personal lives. That's a non-negotiable. Okay, before we wrap this up, Megan, one of the questions I have is, what do you think people think would be on your non-negotiable <laughs> list, but isn't on that list? Okay, so there's probably like a whole list of things actually that are that almost made the cut. But when I'm thinking about this list, I'm really thinking about truly non-negotiables. Like I'm going to bend over backwards to make these things happen. I am going to expect my team to help support these things. I'm going to expect my family to be on board, you know, like this is a high bar in terms of, of how um, committed I am to this list. So for example, some things that people might assume would be on my list would be all four of the daily rituals that we talk about in the full focus planner, the morning ritual. What? I know. Don't, don't fall out of your chair. Don't break anything. This is heresy. I know. The morning ritual, the workday startup ritual, the workday shutdown ritual, the evening ritual. Okay. So those are really important. And on most days, I'm doing those things. Um, the ideal week, which is also in the full focus planner, the, you know, my adherence to the ideal week, uh, the weekly preview. All, I mean, these are all things that I'm doing almost all the time, but I wouldn't say that they're absolutely non-negotiable for me, you know, that they're almost non-negotiable and they're really habitually kind of integrated into my life. But I'm talking about like, if, if, you know, the whole, you're on a deserted island and you can only take three things. What are those three things? I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about here. And I think that has to necessarily be a very, very short list. Well, here's why I like that. Because it would be sad if somebody listened to this episode, got all excited about coming up with this long list of non-negotiables. Right. And I've done that before. Let me just tell you something. Don't try it. That will not work. 
you know, when you're adding habits to your life, because that's essentially what we're talking about mm-hmm. is building in these these different kinds of habits, they got to be few and you got to do them one at a time. You know, we're playing the long game. You know, yeah. even in my morning ritual, the things that I do, you got to add those one at a time and you got to start small. And here's why. There's huge power, and we've talked about this, we've dedicated episodes to this before. There's huge power in incremental progress over time. In other words, if you, it's kind of like what I was talking about practicing the guitar 10 minutes a day. That doesn't sound like much, but if you can do that, you know, 250 days a year, that's amazing. You know, that will lead somewhere. So I, I just think, again, small is better, fewer is better you know, grow and build toward the future. And it can change your life and change the lives of the people around you. Yeah. So as a guideline, I think you're, you want to identify two to four non-negotiables in each of these three categories, self-care, relational priorities, and professional results. If you get much more or much less than that, you're probably kind of on the wrong side in one way or the other, but that's about right from what we've seen. That's good. Okay, so to just wrap this up, if you want to get that double win, it's helpful, and we explain this in our book, to establish non-negotiables in three areas. And that's what we've walked through in this episode. Self-care, relational priorities, and professional results. So what are yours? I hope you leave us some comments on social media. But until next time, lead to win. I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to, I should have jumped in when you said, hi, I'm Megan Hyatt. I should have said, and I'm Michael Hyatt Michael Miller. Miller. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, one more time. This episode is brought to you by the all new No Fail Meetings course where you'll discover how to turn meetings from a hated, necessary evil to enjoyable checkpoints on your way to your most ambitious milestones. Go to nofailmeetings.com to get the course at 20% off, plus get two free bonuses, meeting agenda templates, and a digital version of the No Fail Meetings book. Offer valid until May 14th, so go to nofailmeetings.com now to get your meetings on track.